Good morning, everyone. And good morning to everybody that's watching online as well. If you're watching online, uh, write something in the comments so we know where you are. And um, if you're somewhere really cool, let us know that too. Um, and happy 4th of July to all of you. Uh, next Sunday, July 10th, the lunch brunch, uh, which is for young adults and fam young families and people that are young at heart, so that's all of us, are invited to the alley, which is the bowling alley in the mall at 1230. Uh, it's going to be awesome. They're going to have lunch there. And Catherine, the acolytes are going to be doing acolyte training there too. How awesome is that? So that's going to be a really great time. July 11th through the 14th, we're going to have youth service days, um, so make sure to sign up your youth for that. Um, Kids Ministry had an awesome time last week. They made s'mores outside. I saw the pictures. It was awesome. They had a really, really good time. And here is my last announcement. This is an exciting one. It's Christmas in July. So, um, yes, it's great. It's great. So um, we fill these up for the Salvation Army and outside on the table out here, um, you will see there is some papers. They'll tell you what to get, right? The items you need. And we need these back uh, by July 31st, right? If you read the paperwork from the Salvation Army, it says something about December. Just ignore that. We need these back July 31st, okay? And sometimes people ask us, they say, well, why do you do it in July? We do it in July so we don't bombard you in December, right? Because we help so many people in the month of December. So we start off early in July, and it's an awesome ministry that this church has been doing for a really long time. So make sure you pick that up um, and pick up a stocking. And let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we can come together and worship today. We pray that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'd like you to remain standing as we sing hymn number 687, America the Beautiful.
morning to you and good morning to everybody who's worshiping with us by Facebook Live. I want to say hello to you and welcome you. And um, also, if you'll say something, in, if you're worshiping with us by Facebook Live, say something, say hello, show us a picture of the lake or wherever you're worshiping from. And um, so we, we're glad to be with you today. It is our time to, to give and ask God to bless our tithes and offerings. I want to thank you for your support and the ministries of this church. And because you give, other people be blessed. And that's the way it works. And you get blessed too. See how that works? That's great, isn't it? Let's pray. God, we are thankful that you have made us able to give. You've made us able to give our, our time and our talents. And, and Lord, sometimes that means more than anything else. But you also have made us able, Lord, to, to give as you have prospered us. To give and to ask that you would take those and bless them as you would see fit to use in your kingdom. And we offer all these prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
seated. And we come to our time of morning prayer, and I want to remind you, you can give us your prayer request. We have our prayer team meets every Wednesday right after our morning Bible study at 11, and we pray over the needs that we have. You can fill out a card. You can send us a message. You can send us an email, fumc at fumcgadsden.org. Uh, or you can just come and tug on my sleeve or Pastor Andy's sleeve and tell us, and we will pray for you. Um, before we have a prayer, I wanted to just say a, a word uh, to, to Benny and Rhonda and JT and the choir. They are everything we've come to expect here at Gadsden First United Methodist Church, and, and thank you for giving us that music. So. Let's pray. Our gracious God, it's a privilege to be able to bow before you today and to do so humbly because when we bow before you, we realize that we have nothing to offer. We bring nothing in our hand. We just cling to whatever your grace and mercy gives to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for receiving us and accepting us. Thank you for taking the mess that we are and redeeming it and making it into something beautiful. Father, we pray that as we bow before you, we would remember to always, Lord, depend on you and not ourselves. God, we thank you for, as we celebrate independence and the United States, we, we thank you, Lord, for the relative safety and the relative uh, freedom and, and the relative uh, peace that we have, knowing even, Lord, as we say thank you, that there are those around the world that do not enjoy that. So we pray right now for those in more torn countries, not only in Ukraine, but in other spots in the world. We pray, O oh Lord, for those who don't enjoy freedom and those who are living under oppression. We pray for all those who are pushed to the side and all those who are marginalized, even in our own country, Lord, that is supposed to be the land of the free. Sometimes it's not like that. So, God, we lift up those who are in need of a healing touch today, those, Lord, who are in need of uh, some peace of mind, and those who are seeking you for direction. Lord, you are good, and you grant wisdom, and you meet all of our needs as we trust you, Lord. And, God, teach us to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. children are going to go with Miss Catherine to Children's Church. It is the most fun way that I know of to learn about Jesus. So follow this lady in the red dress over here. And there you go. Yeah. Everybody's got red, white, and blue on today. Yeah. 
Our hymn of preparation is number 696. So if you kept your finger where your hymnal was before, then all you do is look on the other page. Stand with me as you're able and sing America the Beautiful. scripture this morning is the Old Testament lesson from 2 Kings chapter 5 verses 1 through 14. And, and by the way, if you didn't pick up one of these on the way in, pick up one of these on the way out. It's a recipe card that's also kind of the outline of my sermon today and I'll talk about that more later. God's recipe for wholeness, 2 Kings chapter 5 verses 1 through 14. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans on one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my Lord were able, were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord. 
uh, just what the girl from Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent my servant Naaman, uh, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give life or give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me so that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me, he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of his Lord, his God, and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the Farpar uh, rivers in Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage But his servants approached him and said, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when he said, all he said was, wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy. And he was clean. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Okay, you all look like a very smart uh, gathering of people today. And so I want to I give you a little test and see if you can complete these phrases that I throw out there. I'm going to begin it and you complete it, right? Okay, this is kind of like a fill in the blank test. You can't teach an old dog new. Okay, so far so good. A leopard can't change his good. And here's one that's a little bit more modern. It just is what it is. Yeah, y'all did so well on that. It's almost like you've maybe used those phrases before or maybe had someone use those to you. And, you know, there is, they all mean the same thing, basically, Pastor Andy, that you can't ever really change, right? And then, you know, there's a grain of truth in that because parents, if, if your child is about to get married to somebody and, and they tell you, oh, I'm, I'm going to marry him because I know I can change him. Mm, no. Okay. So there's a grain of truth in that. But thank God that it's not all the way true. Thank God because we have a God who gives redemption we have a God who is, is in the business of resurrection. We have a God who tells us to repent. And all of that, all of the core foundations of our faith have to do with, well, change, right? 
Several years ago, I went to the Academy for Spiritual Formation at Camp Sumatanga, and, and it's back, by the way. If you ever want to go to something that will just be so powerful for you, and if you're a nerd like me and you like to read and go to class, then the Academy for Spiritual Formation is for you. And it's a week-long uh, program at Camp Sumatanga, and it's, it's back after being gone for a few years. I'm so glad. Um, several years ago, though, I went, and I went because one of my favorite uh, seminary professors was going to be there. She retired years ago, but she was one of my favorites. So I knew I was going to like what Dr. Roberta Bondi had to say. I really didn't know anything else, uh, especially about the preacher. I didn't know the preacher uh, for the week was Bishop Key Sloan, who at that time was the Episcopal leader for the whole state of Alabama for the Episcopal Church. I didn't know him at all, but he was the preacher. And I found out that he is a fantastic preacher. Have any of y'all ever heard Keith Sloan preach? Anybody? Okay. Well, if you ever get a chance to, he's a great preacher. And he's one of the best storytellers I've ever heard, just like bar none. Um, one of the stories that he told, I'll just never forget. Because it, it has to do with what he did in the summertime when he was a young man, a young preacher. He worked at the Episcopal Church's version of Camp Sumatanga in the summertime at, at a camp for, for young adults with mental challenges. And when he was, he was telling me that he was working at special camp, I, it caught my attention because that's exactly what I used to do. Uh, I used to work every summer at Camp Sumatanga for special camp and, and it, it was fantastic. I loved it. Um, but Bishop, told, Bishop Sloan told a story about when he was working at special camp and, and there was a romance that, that blossomed that week during special camp. And, and you have to understand, it, it happens every, every year. Some, some, somebody has, is for, for a week, there's this mad romance, you know, uh, that, that happens when you, you throw these young adults in there and, and you're doing all of these things together. So the counselors were kind of prepared for it, you know. And this year's camp romance was between Bubba and Betty. And so the counselors would meet the, at night and they, and they would be on Bubba and Betty watch. Okay, okay, who's gonna keep an eye on this today? Okay, we're, who's gonna keep an eye on this afternoon? Because they wanted to make sure that Bubba and Betty just, I mean, I don't know, didn't do anything that was inappropriate to do at a church camp, okay? So the last night um, of the special camp, everything had been going really well. And the last night, they were having vespers around the campfire and they were singing all of their camp songs and they had been doing it all week so everybody knew all of the camp songs and they all got to tell about their favorite thing and what God had done for them and it was just just a great great service and then Bishop Sloan who at that time wasn't he was just a young man starting out in the ministry so everybody called him Preacher Key so Preacher Key said okay everybody now it's time to go to the dining hall for cookies and ice cream. And everybody's like, woo-hoo, cookies and ice cream. And off they went. And, and, and so uh, Key and the rest of the counselors were kind of lagging behind and giving the, the, the campers some space, you know. And, and they were talking amongst themselves about what a great camp it had been. And, and they were laughing and talking about how, whoa, whoa, this has just been a hard week and all this. And so they noticed up ahead 
that most of the campers were just like running to the diet. Who would not run for ice cream and cookies? I would. Um, but Bubba and Betty kind of stopped and let the group go on ahead. And uh, they could see that, that Bubba and Betty were having this animated conversation. They couldn't hear it, but they could tell by their hand gestures that it was, just, it was very emotional, you know, kind of thing. And so Betty stayed up there and Bubba made his way back to Preacher Key and the rest of the camp counselors. And uh, he came up, Bubba came up and said, Preacher Key, I want to go over behind the cantina and smooch with my girl. Yeah, you can laugh. It's okay. It, it totally caught him off guard. And, and it, so much so that he didn't know what to say. And all he could think of to say was, but you'll miss ice cream and cookies. And um, so face down, head down, Bubba slowly walked back to where Betty was waiting on him. And again, they couldn't hear what they were saying, right? But this conversation was even more animated before, and it was clear that, that Betty was not happy with this decision, and she, she did something like this. And so here comes Bubba back a second time with his head down, and he comes up, and he says, Preach Key, I want to go over behind the cantina and smooch with my girl. And Key said, no, you know, Bubba, it, it's, just, it's just against the rules, all right? Against the rules. And Bubba was really quiet, and he's thinking about it for a while. And finally he said, Preacher Key, you could be wrong. <laughs> and Key said, that just, it's like it just, a light bulb came on for him. And he thought, you know what, I could be wrong. I, these are young adults. Even uh, they have mental challenges and everything, but you know they're all. Most of them are over 21 years old, and they're old enough to know that smooching is sometimes way more important than cookies and ice cream. And so he huddled together with the rest of the adult counselors, and they went back to Bubba and they said, "Okay, Bubba, you got five minutes, and if you go one second over that, we're going to come and get you." And off they ran. Okay, and uh, so as. Bishop Keith Sloan was telling us this story. He said this to all of us at the academy. He said, ever since that day, a part of my core value systems for my life and a part of the core values for my ministry has been what I learned from Bubba that night. Preacher Key, you could be wrong. You could be wrong. And you might say, well, even after you were elevated to the office of bishop for the whole state of Alabama, and he said, yes, especially then, especially then, I need to look at myself in the mirror and say, Preacher Key, you could be wrong. And don't we all need to hear that? You could be wrong. Because you know what we do sometimes? We get so puffed up and full of ourselves, don't we? And we just get so certain that we're right and everybody else is wrong that we get all puffed up instead of bowing down in humility like God wants us to do. The main character in the Old Testament reading that I, I just shared with you was a man who was puffed up. He was full of confidence in his own ability to do anything he set his mind out to. 
As a matter of fact, he had had a really good track record so far. He had a lot of things going for him. This is talking about Naaman. He was a military commander for the Syrian army or the Aramean army. I take that back. He was not a military commander. He was the military commander. He was the right-hand man of the king of Aram. He was successful in all of his military campaigns. Basically, it says that God had granted him victory over all of the opposing armies, even the army of Israel. Just think about that for a minute. Every which way you measure it, Naaman was great and brave and famous and rich and just highly regarded by everybody. But for all his success and all his fame and fortune and all his power and influence, Naaman was not a whole person. He was unwhole. He was unwhole. He was not a whole person physically because he had leprosy. Leprosy, as you know, is a disease that is so debilitating it. It debilitates the person who has it. It finally kills them, but it kills them slowly, bit by bit. Naaman most obvious unwholeness was his physical unwholeness. Everybody knew that Naaman had leprosy. He was physically unwhole, but he was also emotionally unwhole because leprosy was uh, a disease that made you, because of his contagion uh, aspect, it made you a social outcast. You had to be separate. You had to be in quarantine. You had to cover your face. You had to stay 50 feet away from everybody. And if anybody came within 50 feet of you, you had to yell, unclean, unclean. We thought our social distancing and mask wearing was bad. But Pastor Andy, can you imagine having to stay 50 feet away and yell, COVID, COVID to everybody? It'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? Right? That would work on you emotionally, wouldn't it? Yeah. So hit... His Naaman's leprosy might not have been all that severe. I'm sure he had a lot of privileges because he was so powerful and great military leader, but still, he never got a hug. He never got a hug. Uh, my sermon notes this week in the newsletter, you can see them there. I, I mentioned a book by Dr. Virginia Satir, which talks about the absence of physical touch and what that does to a person. And you've probably read stories about this before, about, about babies who never get held and about, about uh, elderly people that maybe are in a nursing home and nobody ever goes to visit them. They never get even a pat on the shoulder or someone to hold their hand. The absence of physical touch can leave a person with a, a void, like a deep down unhappiness and emotional withdrawal. It, it's, it works on you. It makes you emotionally unwhole. We, we noticed, didn't we? I know I did. I mean, lack of physical contact dur during COVID quarantine was emotionally damaging to young and old. So imagine how Naaman must have been broken on the inside as well as on the outside. Imagine on top of the physical problem on top of the emotional hurt, the ancient belief that you're cursed by the gods. And that's what the ancient world believed when somebody had leprosy. Woo, you must have really made the gods mad. 
you got leprosy. Man, it stinks to be you. And then finally, Naaman was not whole spiritually either. He was a man for all his greatness. He did not know God. He sacrificed to idols some because everybody else did. But mostly, Naaman worshipped himself because he was full of pride. You see, pride is spiritual leprosy. It eats a person up on the inside just like a physical leprosy would eat somebody up on the outside. Pride, spiritual leprosy. You say, well, Pastor Sam, you're just kind of exaggerating. Pride, is it really all that bad? Aren't we all supposed to have pride? Well, the answer to that is it depends, okay? It depends. There are different kinds of pride. If you look in the dictionary, you'll see different definitions. There's the pride of being set, having satisfaction in a job well done. A pride that has to do with dignity and respect and self-respect. And that's a good kind of pride. So yes to that one, okay? And then there's another definition of pride that has to do with an over high opinion of oneself and haughtiness and arrogance. No to that one. No to that one. That's the killer pride that we're talking about. And why do I say it's killer pride? Because it's top on the list of seven deadly sins. It's top. It's the number one thing that Proverbs 6 says that God hates. God hates it. A proud look. C.S. Lewis wrote this about pride. He said, pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. This is killer pride because if I have this pride, I'm going to be convinced that I don't even need God. I don't even need God. And on top of that, I couldn't possibly be wrong. I couldn't possibly, and don't even talk to me about change because why would I want to change? Because I'm always right. You see how deadly it is? Naaman was not a whole person. He was not a whole person. But Naaman's story is only meaningful to us if we recognize that we are also sometimes not whole people. Sometimes like Naaman, we have something that is keeping us from the abundant life that God had in mind for us. What keeps us from being whole? It could be killer pride. It could be hate. It could be unforgiveness. It could be prejudice. It could be some other unconfessed sin. It could be a lot of things that keeps us unwhole. Do you know that God has a recipe for wholeness? And I got to thinking about recipes because Susan Swan gave me a copy of Sue Roberts' sourdough bread recipe. Y'all are smiling and laughing. Y'all want a copy of this too, don't you? Okay, well, Pastor Sam knew that you would. And so at just the table outside of the church office, I made some copies for you. And, and it just, this just blesses my heart. We had to say goodbye to Sue about a month ago, uh, but the recipe's still good. And, and you know what? God's recipe for wholeness is still good. It worked for Naaman. It'll work for you too. Again, 
recipe card if you need one. Step one, God's recipe for wholeness. Take one person and peel away the top layer of pride and discard it. Step two, add a cup of belief. See, Naaman's top layer of pride was peeled away when he became so desperate that he listened to the servant girl of his wife. She said, if only my Lord could go to the, to the prophet in Samaria, then he could be healed of his leprosy. And Naaman believed enough. How do I know he believed? He believed enough to make plans to go and see this prophet that the servant girl was talking about. Now, was his pride completely gone? No. But the first layer was peeled away. He listened and he believed, y'all, he believed enough to act. So step three is take all your efforts at earning God's wholeness or buying God's wholeness and throw them down the garbage disposal. There's good news and bad news about this. The bad news is we can't earn or buy God's wholeness. We can't do it. The good news is we don't have to because God wants to give it to us all. If it could have been bought, Naaman would have bought it. He, he took with him when he went to see, uh, when he went to see Elisha, he took 10 talents of silver. Now that's 750 pounds of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold. That's 150 pounds of gold. Benny, imagine how much jewelry you could make with, with uh, you know, 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold. Yeah, we all could be blinging with all of that. 10 sets of fine clothes and a letter of recommendation from the king of Syria. He took all of that with him. But you see, Naaman's pride was still running the show because he was doing it his way, right? He didn't go to Elisha like he was supposed to. He went to the king of Israel because he was going to talk to the head dude, right? He was still doing it his way. Step four, and this one hurts. Scrape away any remaining pride. Remember, only the top layer's been peeled away so far, and this one gets down to the bone. This one can be painful. So as I said, Naaman tried going to the king of Israel instead of Elisha, the prophet of God, because of his pride, and the king of Israel said, he thought, he thought Naaman was trying to pick a fight. He said, what am I going to do? I can't heal your leprosy. You need to go to Elisha because I can't do it. And I always picture in my mind Naaman and all of his entourage and all of this caravan of chariots and horses and camels. It doesn't say camels, but there's got to be camels, right? Because they've got, you know, 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds. Of, they got all this stuff. So all of this caravan rolls up outside of Elisha's house. And if they had had horns, they would have just honked the horn because that would have been the, the attitude, right? Elisha didn't even come out of the house. He just sent his servant out. And the servant said, God says go and take seven baths in the Jordan River and then goes back in. 
Well, that sounds simple enough. And to tell you the truth, I had leprosy and somebody said, go jump in the Coosa River seven times, I'd be diving, you know. But Naaman hasn't done step four yet. He's still got that leftover pride. He is still so proud. He's still so puffed up. He gets mad and he, he's like, who does Elisha think he is? He's sending a servant out to talk to me. He won't even come out himself. He won't even like wave his arms and, and, and go heal or something like that. He, he's, and to go down to the Jordan River, I mean, we got better rivers back at home to bathe in. And then he storms off in a rage. The scripture says he storms off in a rage. He almost blew it. He almost blew it. But Naaman's servant, Bubba, I just threw that in there. Are y'all listening? Naaman's servant, Bubba, comes up and says, General Naaman, you could be wrong. You could be wrong. Because if the prophet asked you to do something really hard, you would have gone ahead and done it. So why not do something simple? Step five, add just the right amount of faith. Step six is cook until done. Because you know, some wholeness comes right away. Some kinds of wholeness take time and they have to cook a little bit. Add just the right amount of faith. Pastor Sam, how much faith is the right amount? Well, it's enough to make us act on our belief. You see, faith is kind of different from belief. Faith is belief plus action. You can believe all you want to, but until you act, you haven't stepped out in faith. Belief got Naaman to go to Elisha. Faith got him to bathe seven times in the Jordan. God's recipe for wholeness. Naaman followed him, and God made him whole on the inside and on the outside. So you and I are coming to the Lord's table today. And as we do that, I want us all to remember to humble ourselves because we did not pay the price for our wholeness. God did that. So as we come to the Lord's table today, let's peel away that pride. And let's add a cup of belief as we take the cup of the Lord today. Let's leave behind any efforts that we might have to do it on our own. And as we kneel, let us all ask the Holy Spirit to scrape away any leftover pride because you and I, we could be wrong. And then when we leave the table, let's add just the right amount of faith to get us to act on what God has done for us when he makes us whole. God, make us whole today. We need you. Amen. In your uh, hymnal, if you want to follow along there, if you'll turn to page 12, you will find the service of word and table. Love him.
who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful, Merciful God, God, we, we confess, confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have, we have not done your will. will. We, we have broken your law. law. We have, we have rebelled, rebelled against, against your love. We have, we have not, not loved our neighbors. We have, we have not heard the cry in need. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. We will continue with the great thanksgiving at the middle of page 13. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. The body of Christ, broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. I want to give a couple of words of instruction as we as we uh, receive Holy Communion today, 
And the first one is always this. Everyone who is present is welcome at the Lord's table. We, we have open communion in the United Methodist Church, which means you don't have to be a member of this church or any church, really. All you have to do is have a heart that's hungry for God, and we welcome all of you to the Lord's table. It's our tradition to, to come and, and kneel and receive Holy Communion kneeling. Uh, but if you are not able to, to kneel because of your knee or your back or your hips or whatever, you can come and stand or you can stay at your seat. We'll come and serve you at your seat. We want to have um, this accessible to everybody. And then it's also been our custom to, uh, over the years, to, to leave an offering on the communion rail is God makes you able to and leads you to. And our communion offering is always uh, something that goes 100% to help our, our local missions. When people call us, as they do on a regular basis, needing help, our communion offering goes toward those needs. The ushers will instruct you uh, on when to come. We will have those who are helping us to serve come first, and then our choir will come, we will serve them, and then the ushers will direct you on when to get up and come uh, to receive this holy sacrament. So I want to invite those who are helping us serve today, if you will come. of Christ broken for you. Christ go with you. Amen. Christ, broken for you. 
Arise now and go in peace, and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen. Now rise and go in peace and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen. rise and go in peace and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen.
Arise now and go in peace, and may the peace of Christ go with you. Amen. Thank you. Now, will you stand for our benediction? Lord, we give you thanks for this holy mystery which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may now go in the strength of your Holy Spirit to give ourselves for others. Amen. While the storm clouds gather, far across the sea, So